And it's Dan and James talking about the the Villa games. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the ABSC Faithful Podcast, long overdue, joined, as always, by Dan and James. And this week, by Dan Pritchard, our now go-to statistical analysis expert for the ABSC Faithful Podcast. And that is at 1874 Pritch on X. Dan, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, very, very well, Dan. How are you? Great. It's a great day. <laughs> not bad, thanks, Dan. We're, we're talking <laughs> to the resident James of the group as well. You're right, James. Yeah, I'm. I'm not too bad. I'm. I'm in between two Dan's, and it's a. It's a good day to uh, go over a bit of a squad assessment. So, looking forward to this. Yeah, it's sort of. It's why it's the prime time for us to run through a, a little run through of where we are as a squad. I know, obviously, you guys did a a great pod earlier on in the season. We we really wanted to get Dan back on, especially. Um, with me to get involved as well, get you in sort of a bit of a Danwich, so to speak, and uh, yeah. So, so we've got we've got a fair few bit to run over. So, um, well, I, I guess the first thing we can start chatting about is is just the general strengths and weaknesses of the squad and of the season so far. I mean, it's quite a general way of talking, but um, I think I think there's enough we can chat about that that's quite important and might be able to. I think a lot of people get caught up in just the the, the 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 less of the data, but more so just the points tally and who we've played and the results that have come our way. And it's quite interesting to see how that's actually coming across. And I mean, we've spoke loads about the Newcastle game just off the cuff and how it didn't feel like a five-one. So um, I guess really, what I'm interested to see what people think is our our main actual strength at the moment, and 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 what can actually be determined as a weakness. Um, I think my top strength would probably actually be flexibility. I mean, there's a lot of strengths individually, and then obviously that the, the coach in general is is a strength because of you know his pedigree. But I think genuinely versatility and how we can approach things and and how we can tweak things. Like just I mean, we'll we'll go through the, the tweaks and stuff properly after. But obviously that tweak he made in the international break um, was it around the Palace game where he dropped Kamara back in like. Having a manager that can do that so quickly and pull it off so well, and it, it you know bear its fruits that that fast, is a real positive. Um, that's what I'd probably say. My strength is. Yeah, yeah, I could, couldn't agree with that more. Like Villa, come, like we have a pretty good squad, but it's also now a squad that is performing more than some of it, some of its parts. Like you, you think back to the days of. Dean Smith and how reliant we were on on just on just Grealish being a a stat, standout play, player and now every player look looks like Grealish. You know it's it's hard to pick it hard to pick out like oh he he's the best guy or he's the best guy. I, I think you know we're a little little bit reliant on Douglas Ruiz at the moment, um, and that might be that might be a weak weakness of our of our the way we're currently play, playing that a lot of it is going through Douglas Suiz but I think it's also a bit it's a bit circumstantial you lose Moreno who was uh, when you look into the these kind of possession value models he was one of the highest rated players in, in Villa squad last season after coming in in January you know you lose Jack, you lose Ramsey who adds a bit Bit of that, and that, and both of those players are, are mo- mobile, a good counter press, and that probably leads to the second weakness, which is despite the fact we create a you know a lot of good chances, we're creating almost two uh goal score like the, the equivalent of like two goal scoring chances again a game, uh, in kind of these expected go- goals numbers, which has always been a stupid, stupid name, just. Chance creation would have been far better, um, but we're we're conceding almost you know by the numbers cut one point two goal goals against, and that's quite high for you know what it, what we're now looking at is you know can we put can we push into the top four can we get Champions League league spots, and that's just a quite a bit higher than the, those around us. It's something I think everyone will want to look at. It, that's you know I because sorry it's just I, as soon as you said that I, I sort of came to a realization that I haven't realized that it doesn't feel like we concede those 
that high amount of chances. I know obviously it's different between games to game. Sometimes it's because of the way that um XG <laughs> is um is proportioned and and how obviously it plays out. But it's weird that you mention that because it doesn't feel there's any games, particularly recently, where I could think of that felt that we were actually succumbing to that much attack from the other team. Yeah, so it's actually so that one point two average was from a uh, a ten game rolling average. So it does kind of it evens out between the games. So it'll include things like Newcastle, Liverpool, yeah, and and those games. And I would actually agree with you. I think we, you know, we're on the wrong side of variance again against Forest. I think uh, you've got two goals coming from you know tw- twenty five y- yards or above. Um, and then you know we can't can't get a chance over the line. I think if the weakness in the system is uh, we don't have a great, you know, we will lose if we don't have a great game in front of goal, and the opposition has a good game in front of goal. Well, that's every system. It's yeah. every system in football. No, no, no one, uh, no one gets away away with that sooner or later. You're right. You look. Yeah, and. I think I, I'd agree. It doesn't doesn't feel like you know we, we give up that many big chances and stuff. Um, and it's quite frustrating, really, how little clean sheets we've kept this season. And sometimes poor defending, sometimes it's lapses or strange occurrences, like the the Martinez own goal against Luton, which was just a moment of madness. Really, like you don't really concede those goals very often, and you know it's costing you a clean sheet. So you would expect that. A, over a, a period of a 10 games, I'd expect that goals conceded average to, to drop a bit more. But at the same time, we're coming up against better teams now as well. So that'll be really interesting to see how that evens out, you know, whether it goes down a bit, goes up a bit. It Those games against the top teams are going to be really interesting to see how we approach them um, defensively more than anything, I think, because we know what our game is on the ball. Uh, we know what we can do, whether it's, creating those sort of micro transitions or whether it's playing out from the back. We've got such a variant of, of ways that we can attack that I don't worry about that. It's always the out of possession or trying to stop those transitions that's really interesting. And obviously against those better teams that can work just as well in tight spaces as open spaces, it's going to be really tough to stop them. But, you know, you've got one of those coaches that is a, an excellent problem solver. And he is constantly evolving the team. You know, we've seen two or three iterations of Villa already so far since he's been in and we'll see more. And then especially because we've got obviously January coming up soon, whether whether we dip into the market or not, and that'll make an, that'll have an effect on what we do. So, yeah, there is just a couple of weaknesses that feel like it's a side effect, as I said earlier, of, of how we're trying to be a little bit more expansive this season. And I haven't got all, all of the... I, I did plan to have a bit more of the XG data on... Uh, to hand so we could sort of see how much we were playing a bit more expansively and, and creating more chances than we were like last season and I think that the byproduct of it is conceding a, a few more chances in the sense of you know we're stepping up the pitch quite a lot more I mean we, we've constantly had a high line under Unai but how I think we're, we're, we're willing to operate with slightly more gaps in, in between because of how we're trying to position ourselves up the pitch so, yeah, the evolution of it is going to be really interesting to see what our next sort of move is. Yeah, so so I actually, I do have the numbers to, ha- to hand here. Uh, and so we, by the end of last season, in terms of our ch- chances cre- created, we were right at the end just over 1, 1. 1.5, yeah, 1.5 chances at its peak this se- season. It's almost 2 Super game. So we're talking, you know, I got a goal every two, a goal every couple games, which at, at this at this level it's the difference between between you know win, winning two one and taking three three points and climbing up the ta- table at the end of the day it is these like fine margins. You're not going to score an extra goal every game every game. So zero point five e- extra in terms of the chat. Transcreation really is quite a bit. So it, I think it's interesting because something I noticed that it, it wasn't really 
adapting whether it was a strength or a weakness and it, i guess it's less statistical but more it, uh, there's probably a, a, a bit of data to back it up but it didn't feel like there was a sort of transition period from the signings and the change that we had to make from the start of the season to like the second and third game um obviously you know you've got three starters well four essentially if you include um Wendier in with it that drop out of the squad and they're immediately replaced with people that weren't albeit Luca Dean was obviously heavily involved last season still um, it's a complete change to the way that we're playing. Obviously, you've got the RB Zaniolo playing a lot, um, Bailey with a new role, uh, that, and obviously John McGinn now playing his role. I think it, what I found interesting was there was never a phase where it looked like it wasn't working or people were still learning. Um, I mean, we can still argue, obviously, Zaniolo is still um, adapting to his role and he's playing on it on his weaker weaker left-hand side. Um, but that was what I, I saw as a particular strength is that um, the player seems so bought in to the nature of it that they're actually playing to the exact system that is sort of not not forced upon them, but that that is the system that they're they're bred to be playing. So, um, that's what I saw personally as well. And I guess the only real weakness you can ever really suggest is that I guess the susceptibility to counter attacks. That's what I felt, but I think that might be more a bit more recency bias as well because obviously it happened a lot against um AZ at home and. Uh, obviously a, a little bit against Forest, albeit that um, they were caught offside a lot, but that's pretty much all I even saw on that. Yeah, like, um, you know, when we're talking about our possession systems, it's it's always a talk of tra- trade-offs and, you know, we're looking, you know, we're trying to play this high line, not necessarily to win the ball high up, high up the pitch, uh, but like try and fun- funnel the ball into that box into that box midfield where McGinn, Louise, uh, or like someone like eventually Ramsey or Cup win the ball back. You see Villa winning the ball back just on the, the top end of their midfield third a lot and just turn, turn, turn that into, into transition attacks. But yeah, a consequence of <clears throat> that and trying to be, you know, high line compact in the middle is you concede space behind and to the sides a little bit so I think sides with like with pacey wingers who can maybe take you know can take a player on 1v1 or if you can get in the right position to to as far Forrest did uh, you know get get a 1-2 one, one, in there there release a quick winger um, the only kind of yeah a, a slight weak weakness um, that is less system based System based, and I do think uh, it's something that um, Emery will kind of look look at. Is we do as a as a result of dropping Kamara back, we don't really have someone whose job it is to sit in front of the of the back four. And when we are forced back on those quick transitions, uh, Nottingham's first goal come comes as comes as a result of a cutback. And you know, uh, I can't remember who she scored, scores the goal, goal in the end but um it's got a lot of space in front of the back the back four in that particular moment on transition and I think that's one one that you know we can look at solving maybe having you know one of Lu- Louise or McGinn who drop drops in be a bit more positionally dis- disciplined or you know if you fight you know, find a way or find a way to get Kamara further up the field. Field in mom- in those moments um, would maybe help help that a little bit and just snuff out the danger of the the cutback. It was it would have been quite a bit of a, a worry for me if we were playing if Madison was fit for our next game against Ed Tom Tom because it's absolutely the sort of chance that he he would he would live on. Um, as it is um, against Tottenham, and I, I kind of expect against against City and Arsenal as well, we might actually uh, continue the temptations to drop the line back a bit. And I actually think we we might be a bit bra- brave of that and actually try and disrupt the opposition's build build up a bit more, make Arsenal and Man City a bit more com- comfortable on the ball. We've seen Newcastle get you know a fair bit of jo- joy out of that approach, and neither. Neither of uh, Newcastle's games against Arsenal or Manchester City were were in any way comfortable for them. 
Yeah, I agree. I think um, with like especially the City game, I think we saw last season when they were against Arsenal, they were quite willing to go long over the top if they needed to. Um, but I think that's with how well we're coached and drilled on the high line, I don't feel too worried about that. Um, maybe it'd be a bit different if they've got De Bruyne in that side, but they seem to have a lot of ball carriers at the moment, more than sort of killer ball player. Um, and the same with Tottenham with Madison out. I feel like they're again, like when you've got, I don't, well, I don't even know, is Basuma or Sar one of those available? Basuma's not, is he? Basuma's not, yeah. Yeah, so even Sar, I think he's more of a ball carrier than progressing through passing, obviously. Um, Son's the, the threat in behind, really, but I'd still trust Concer against him. Uh, to match him quite often. Um, it'd still be have, have to be something that we're wary about, but I do think that you need to be in the face a little bit more because at the end of the day, if you drop off, they've got the players that can, you know, play it around you. So, <clears throat> as we said, with trade-offs, that's how it works. You you want to squeeze that play up the pitch and if you're forcing them into the long ball, it's not exactly how they want to play, really. So, yeah, that, that will be interesting to see how, how we approach it, but it's going to be tough games, and I'm really looking forward to them because, you know, I, th- I feel like that's that's our barometer. You know, these next four four league games, I think it is what is Spurs, Bournemouth, Arsenal, City. Yeah. You know, it, it's nice to have Bournemouth, you know, in, in the middle of that. But that week against City and Arsenal is a, a big week to see where we really are at because, you know, if you come out of that week winning at least one of those, that'd be be some going really against those teams. Yeah, I just had horrible flashbacks to Bjorn Engels in <laughs> against against Sonia Min and yeah, I, I trust Konza and his uh his physical ability and his pace a lot more. Yeah, a lot more. It shows how far we've come. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. a memory I didn't think I could remind remind myself of that quickly, and uh. <laughs> that hurts even more. I distinctly remember being sat next to a Tottenham fan and telling them how happy I was that we drew that game, and then uh, seeing that happen. So uh, <laughs> it's a it was a dark time, wasn't it? I was just thinking you you I just remember what you uh, what you said um, about not having like a sitter in front of the defense. I think this is something that we both spoke about on the last video as well. Not having someone that's happy to sit there and you know mop up and just pass the ball along like a high volume pass more than a progressive one alongside either Louise or Kamara or both. Um, what I, We did end up seeing a sort of situational 4-3-3 at times and we saw Kamara get dropped into the, the back through, which I, was something that I thought might happen. But as you say, it's when, when you when you commit McGinn and Louise forward ahead of those and then you've got your wing back side as such a space and then, you know, it, it's the transitions can can get you like that. But that I think those are the sort of areas I expect to, to be addressed in, in January, maybe. If not, then definitely the summer is. Because the, the drop-off for one from Kamara and Louise to, to Redendonka is obviously massive, but also lacking that sort of natural sitter that's happy to, to, to just clear up behind the, the pressing midfielders is something that I think we, we really need. And then I, I still think that I mean, Moreno is going to sort out the left side when it comes to tighter spaces compared to Dean, who who is happy to work when you give him extra space. Um, the right hand side still for me with with Cash because I think if you want to adapt your, your style a little bit, he's not exactly first phase build up brilliant at that. Um, we, we've seen he's very good at box crashing this season, and he'd be more handy in that sense. But when it's out wide, unless he's on, on his game. It, when he's 1v1, he can struggle a bit at times, again, beating his man or, or, or chopping onto his left foot and stuff like that. So I think those are areas that could really make a difference if we recruit different characteristics in the, in those places. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cash. And I don't want to, to dig him out because I think he has a, a lot of qualities, especially his ability to get up, up and down, up and down and, and some some of his physical ones, but I, I, you know, we kind of lost our you know, finishing finishing box crasher in in Jacob Ramsey, and we, you know, we spoke before about how we 
supplemented that with cash. But I, actually, I was looking into the data because I remembered he'd, he'd only scored the two goals against against Burn, Burnley, and he's he's still actually third in Villa's in Villa's team for the number of shot, shots he's ta- taken. But actually, since the the end of September, he's only gotten about five shots in in the league with about uh you know with about a 0.5 0.5 xg so you know cumulatively about a 50% chance of of score of scoring those and i i, w- I wonder if you know we're kind of get getting the most out the most out of him in that position or if he's a, he's someone that the club look, look at and like we he could you know we could find someone in this position who maybe either suits that box crashing role and finishes a lot better or some someone that would enable Kamara to what while Kamara did struggle with the count counter pressing would enable to him to sit in front of the defense a bit more because they can be that right center back during the build up phases i think i think that could be quite you know that would be the area i would imagine imagine we looked at in january if we are to look at anyone and i'm not sure how things work out ffp ffp wise at the moment but yeah cash has been someone that like has had a good season he goes back and forth but i i wonder if if the car box crap crashing was a bit of a surprise to to begin with and now opposition are kind of I see, I see seeing it coming a bit more, reducing the number of shots he can he can get. Although he is, you know, for five for five shots, that's still, ha- you know, the quality of chances is pretty is pretty good for the shots he's getting. But it, you know, the number of shots is quite quite down. Interesting. So, well, I think uh, that leads us on quite well, actually, because um, I know uh, it's something that I was interested in when James mentioned about it beforehand. Um, and it was kind of sort of combining between both the the tweaks that we've made. Obviously, um, touched upon it. I think you mentioned about obviously Kamara dropping in and how that's changed. Um, about the tactical tweaks that we've sort of made and ones that you can possibly see coming in. Um, maybe even as quick as actually probably the next month when when the overload of fixtures actually starts piling on, um, into the actual squad itself. Because it is it like I, I noticed this even from I mean especially in this podcast i am like even between me and james i'm way below my tactical knowledge of of how we play and even i can see that there is a distinct difference between not only just last season to this season but even just the first three games to the most recent three games and it does feel like maybe that's something to do with the fixture pilot maybe it is you know emery's got just time and time and time and he's seeing things that he wants you know, nip that in the bud and let's start changing that around. And um, I'm just interested to see what you think about that, Dan, and, and and sort of not only what you've seen so far, that's that's the tweaks we've made, but what you think could be coming or what you think maybe should be coming. So, yeah, I mean, I, I talked a little bit about one of our weaknesses, obviously one of our weaknesses, that kind of bit of space between, in front of the back four for, for, cut, for cut backs. But given the... The schedules we're going into, particularly you know, Tottenham, Man City, Arsenal teams that are going to want the ball. Ball. I expect we we might end up be looking quite a bit more transitional than we have done. You know, certainly over the last last period period of games, uh, we I might expect a few more long ball, long balls coming out of Paul Torres, and we we've created a couple of good chances that way. Um, and with Moreno cut. Coming back, I think I think that opens up, you know, more areas where we can, you know, be a little bit le- less dependent on Douglas Louise and uh, it might allow if if Saniolo is to play and continue playing on the left, it might allow him a bit more free freedom if he can kind of work that relationship with Moreno. There are certain, you know, you know, uh, Sam, Sam Tyke, I've mentioned mentioned this on the. On the T T Fun podcast, but there are certain runs of Douglas Weese, uh, Douglas Weese, <laughs> Luca Dinia, uh, d- doesn't re- really make or isn't comfortable making that. That Moreno will will do do almost every time, and 
So I think the tweaks we'll, we'll make are, are very much, I think every someone that likes working with players and will tweak things depending on who's fit, who's who is available and who best suits, um, who's com- coming in front of him. So I, I'm not sure we'll get another bit. I'm not sure if we'll get another kind of big tactical switch like the releasing cash and drop, dropping Kamara into the right centre-back role. Um, I'm not sure if I see something like that coming as much as little tweaks here and there that'll be opposition depend dependent or um or just play you know player availability depend dependence yeah i agree um i think obviously because when we um dropped kamara back we, we saw i can't remember whose video i was watching the other day we saw how it was after the liverpool game i think how often kamara was getting caught up the field trying to press sort of in such a large space that when you when that was you know, bypass. There was so much space, so it was kind of the logical switch. And then, obviously, you bring McGinn inside and Cash pushes further up in, in that sort of triangular movement of how they rotate up. Which you know, is, as you say, afterwards you, you see the sense in it. You know, beforehand you you wouldn't sit. Well, the few people have probably suggested it, but you know, what I mean, it's it makes sense afterwards after you see a mastermind do it like that. But yeah, when, when we have the the left hand side back available it gives us so much more options again with Moreno and Ram I love the Moreno and Ramsey partnership because Ramsey quite naturally drifts into that half space. Moreno naturally I think he's played a couple of times in his career as a winger, a left winger. He will naturally make that run to the byline with or without the ball. And I think I like obviously the right foot, left foot combination there because you have Ramsey that can carry inside as well and then play the disguise back back to Moreno. I like that dynamic. You, you sort of get that if Cash plays and, and McGinn's on, in that half space on the right as well. We saw that against against uh, Brighton, I think it was, for the first goal. Um, that that ball in behind, Cash runs onto it and then the, the sort of low ball across that we always see. So I think you're missing a couple of those dynamics now, not just in terms of quality, but those different dynamics in terms of position and characteristics are so key to a team. And, and you know, I, I say it probably every week about how much we miss Jacob Ramsey for a couple of reasons. Not just, we, we know he's a good player in the numbers that he provides, but when you have a space creator and a space interpreter like him, it, it can just change games in itself, no matter, you know, how much you tactically approach a game. When you have such individual quality that's different, you know, with the ball, makes a huge difference. So I would like to see Zaniolo come into his own in that sense as well, because we know he's got the, the ability. I think he just needs to speed up his decision-making process at times. I think you can see that he wants to make the right pass, but it's taken so long to think about it that he sometimes gets dispossessed in that way. I think better players around him sort of bring that out of him because he sees, he'll see that. So the more that he plays around that. I think he'll be okay. Um, so, but yeah, the, I think in general, tactically, as we said at the start, our flexibility is one of our biggest strengths. So we will constantly see a bit of an evolution and a revolution in, in how we dip in and out of things. So this is why I think that these games coming up, the tough ones, are going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, like to, to add to that, like um, we saw like Tielemans on, on the left again against Fulham and having that midfield of four central midfielders, I think is something, you know, we'll see, we'll, especially with Ramsey coming back, we'll see more often. And, you know, especially again with the fixtures coming up, I I, I think we're going to want to create, create opportunities in tra- transition, having those four central mid- midfielders, especially someone like Ram. Ramsey who gives you that off ball upside or bringing Moreno back who's that bit more mobile than Dinya to be able to get back into the back back four. I think these are the sort of tweaks that you that we'll see for the upcoming coming fixtures and potentially that's why, you know, Tielemans what was using that in that left midfield role against Fulham, you know, thinking a few games ahead. Yeah, I think I think for me, it's more so the case as well of that um, 
I, I say this way too much. I think I think I repeat it nearly every week, but it's strange to think that we're actually a squad that's not really even a year old and a squad that's had so much put into it that really um we uh, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I say this as well. I think we did benefit from the fact we had the World Cup extended break for an opportunity for, for Unai to lay out uh, the idea in the outset that he has. But, I mean, mainly ju- judging by what James said about Jacob Ramsey and, and Alex Moreno, I think um, something I realised that we missed so much more. The problem is it, it happened in my head. When you mentioned the disguise pass, I saw it, and it's all I keep seeing now is the backwards slide pass towards the end of the byline, and that seems to be the only thing that I keep thinking that we're missing out on. I think that's the main thing we miss out on against Forrest. Um, was the one I thought of mainly. Like that was the game where I just sat there. I was like, all I would want for this game now is is Alex Moreno to come in, sixty fifth minute, and just be that person to cons- consistently run that byline. And and even if he's not always the one with the ball there, it just drags. He's constantly got someone with him there. But that seems to be the only idea tweak that I could see that was actually going to probably come on my end. Um. But that's again, I think that might just be my borderline obsession with Alex Moreno and Jacob Ramsey coming into effect. So um a bias swing there as well. Um I guess I think you touched upon it as well again earlier, James. Um you, you can tell who did the prep for today's episode because James has, has has correctly laid it out for me for me to somehow transition through. But um January's uh well barely over a month away. Um it, it it's not been ruled out that, that Villa could be active. I think we're all possibly hoping that it is just because it gets us through the month quicker. Nobody likes a, a January transfer window where you do absolutely nothing and you don't even have an outgoing or an ingoing. It's just a month of seeing other people smile and laugh and go crazy. And as much as I don't really want to sit in Villa Twitter for another month of transfer window, I do kind of miss it at the same time. Um, I'm interested to see what both of you think. If it, it, First of all, I'd like to imagine a scenario where, let's not say that Villa have unlimited money but they have a suitable amount of money to go out and find something that's going to be what Unai or or Monchi actually wants to see changing the team and what would actually for example the, the tweaks mentioned or the possible sort of challenges we could see with the weaknesses we've got what would the club actually go out looking for and if there was anyone you had in mind but don't really worry if there's I mean I know for a fact James has got names already um, but I'm very interested to see where you think, Dan, that the club would probably be outlining, even if it's not for January, if it's for summer as well, where they would be looking to not even improve, but just bolster. So there's a couple of positions that I that I mentioned already, uh, right right back, and you know we in the summer we saw we for the left back position we saw Dinier almost. You know, almost out the door, and if we were to bring in, you know, some some of the bit some of the bit younger, both Moreno and Dinier are in their fair, are in their fair thirties now, and then we we'll want to have it interchange interchange to senior left backs rather than have an an understudy. But um, it it is a bit of it's a bit of a concern for the squad going for, forward that uh, both of your key players players in that position um, have, have a bit of a running clock and then you kind of look at the the midfield the midfield depth, depth Tielemans was brought in we thought he was kind of coming to you know going to be some of that depth it looks like you know maybe that that kind of lack of mobility that has been part of his game for a little while now that that might prevent prevent him from playing that position to its fullest effect effect under Emery. So that'd be another position. Those would be the three positions where maybe you'd look at bringing kind of senior help in. But outside that, I think, like, and this is probably one more for the summer, although if a deal came along in January, I would be too surprised. I think you look at succession succession plan planning for several positions you, you know you think okay you know who you know robin Ol- robin olsen i don't think is quite as bad as a lot of villa fans make out um but you know we're still we're still seeing you know martinez start almost every game and once you know at a certain amount of minutes you you start losing a bit that bit of shot 
sharpness that you need as a goal goalkeeper. Um, you, know, you can look, look at someone who might take the club, might take the number one position. At, you know, after Martinez, you know, I hope he do, hope he doesn't move on, but you have to plan for that possibility. You know, yeah. the same with, you know, I think Ollie Watkins has sh shown now that he, along with Ivan T Tony, I think is the the caliber of striker who could work work well at the uh, Champions League Champions League level level club with his and he's just absolutely faultless in terms of his dedicate dedication and com commitment. And I think a lot of coaches see something something there. I, you know, living living in Germany and watching the Bundesliga as I do, I like seeing him here in one of the you know, the big clubs in Germany like a, a Dortmund a Dortmund or, or even a, a Bayern, it'd be absolutely frightening, absolutely frightening the amount of space he would be given uh, in in the Bundesliga, in the Bundesliga, and I think, yes, yeah, so, so yeah, outside that, yeah, it's just kind of sit sitting down thinking, okay, so you know, we we're a squad of a of a certain certain le certain level. We will need to sell players. Um, it's just the unfortunate reality. This summer, we sold youth players. We may have to sell a senior player in the in the summer just to kind of keep in line line with the financial fair play rules, which are even more stringent when you're in the Champions League and have to deal with your wait your wafers, uh, FFP FFP rules. Uh, so you kind of you know, I think Monchi and Emma will be looking at the squad. And well, who who could we move on? That's not going to damage us quite quite so so much. What can we do to you know take some of those qualities and maybe spread them spread them out throughout the squad and you know maybe take a bit of a brightened approach to things. You know, be kind of planning these successions. You know, a season in advance, two seasons in advance. You know, the end of the season, trying to get more of your youth and fringe fringe players in. Who, who might, you know, replicate the form of some of your bigger stars. Yeah, I agree. It, that is the the reality of it. And I think, you know, especially at the moment, we see a lot of news around the the Arsenal and Douglas Louise links, um, which I think will circulate for the rest of the season. It, it wouldn't move in January. I don't think the club would sanction that at the time. Um, summer's a different story. We also don't know what's in his contract and that, but, you, you know, yeah, it... It will be interesting to see if there is a, a first team that's appreciated by another club, and we see it as an opportunity to to sort of evolve again in the in the first team starters area. I think again, I always come back to Luca Dean that he his age, the wages he's on, um, and it's not always about what they offer the team, but sometimes if you're looking at moving on, it's how you reduce that wage bill as well. And for someone of his age, if, if you can reduce that and bring in someone maybe that's a little bit different, um, that, could, that can help. But I, I think it's hard to say what we'd prioritise in January if we had ad adequate funds. Because, I mean, you'd probably ask our fan base and a lot of them would say that the striker area, I think a lot would say midfield, a lot would say right back. You know, there's so many different areas that people would say maybe we can either improve or, as you said, um, bolster. So I, I do, I always look at this, the central midfield area in the sense of the that sitter in front of the defence. I think that could make a, a big difference. We might have to just be creative with how we approach things in, in January, what markets we sort of shop in. And I, I don't know what the rules are on loans. We've already got two, is it? Is it long loans, Aniolo? Mm. I think two loans at the moment. I don't know how many you're allowed per season. Um, but, yeah, I think it probably will depend after the the December set of fixtures where we're sitting then. Because, if you know, we're, we're, you expect that we will make it through to the knockout stages of the Conference League now. You know, we only need one more point. And then if you're still in that top five area come January, you, there's, a, there's either a big toss-up that you, you've got to make a choice on or you try and attack it and... and running both of those competitions. So, yeah, 
so there is like I've, I always write down names of players that are either in form or just over a period of time impress me. But I, I'm sort of moving past that. There's my wish list because I think I have such trust in the how Monchi and Emery identify their their talents and especially I think I said this in the summit. It's hard to plan for something that you don't know how they're going to evolve again. What what the ultimate aim is of how they want to be and. We know that we want, we want to dominate games and score loads of goals. I mean, you know, the second highest scorers in the league this season. We want to entertain. Emery always talks about this, the connection with fans, and the the importance of that is how many how many goals we score at home. Especially, you know, you have that connection with the fans, the atmosphere. It is really important in that sense. So, yeah, January is a tough market in general to approach. You know, let alone if if you haven't got loads of money to spend, which you know I'm not sure. Oh, I won't pretend about that. I know about what our FFP state is, but yeah, it's it's a tough time in general. So I, I'd sort of you know be patient with it and and understanding that it might not be that busy, but maybe there'll be a deal to be done as well. It's just. Uh, it's, a, it's a transfer window I've, I've never particularly liked. Um, it's rare you see a game-changing deal be made anyway in there. And um, it's just bad memories of strikers that we've signed in this window that have gone on to live long in the memory of ones that I never want to see ever again. So uh, it, it, I, I find it... I just The reason why I ask is because... Um, not just because James wants to chat about it and uh, I do as James tells, but um, it, I find it interesting myself at seeing what... Like we're in a position that as as much as we felt like this was still going to continue on from last season, um, I don't think anyone anyone really predicted this would be where we are now. I mean, fifth where we are in the Conference League and out of the Carabao Cup. I thought don't think anyone had this on their bingo card exactly how it was. So, um, I think plans obviously evolve. Injuries happen. Um, you know conversations happen with other clubs as much as we want to believe it doesn't tapping up still obviously exists and you know players come in and explain what they do and don't want and and the club obviously has a plan but so much gets lost doesn't it in, in football conversation and um it's why we have people like you on Dan because um it, it brings a bit more uh, just just a bit more depth to the conversation I, I much prefer hearing about you know the actual areas where we need to improve rather than why don't we just go out and get Jude Bellingham? And it's sort of like, well, yeah, that's great and all, but um, it's a system, isn't it? We're building, and, and there's, it's not just the best man; it's the right man. It seems to be for for Emery, and it, it seems to be that he is only getting people that buy into everything, and and that's where I circle back to to Claremont Longley at the moment. I just wanted to touch on him because I had a couple of conversations with people over the past couple of weeks, um, and he was a very strange signing, I thought, but it feels like he's bought in. To the system surprisingly well considering what his role is I mean he's very rarely seen on Premier League match days and then he's seen you know in cup fixtures but I mean he's almost faultless and I, th- I thought I just wanted to touch him before we left because I feel like he's a good analysis point on on where the squad is in terms of buy-in sort of towards Unai Emery and towards it and obviously you hear people talk about it and how professional it is but I was interested in what you guys thought about not just just Longley, but sort of this adaptation around the club where we've all sort of accepted it almost. And I, I wondered how that translated onto the pitch and, and sort of around it in your guys' eyes because it doesn't feel like it's like that's the football. It sort of feels like this is, this is the football in a weird way. The, the Longley one was really interesting for me because it was, it was almost like we signed Perry Torres light in, in a sense. And I think maybe that was the case because... The only games he's played so far have been Conference League games, haven't they? Um, and he's, he's performed in them, you know, pretty well. I think he wasn't. Was he involved in the Legia game? I think he was. He or was he not signed by then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I think that was a game where no one was ready for that. I think it, I don't think that team had quite um, got their minds around what they were stepping into yet, um, and just the. A game of being counted and and just punished really incredibly well. Um, but something interesting that you did say, before I forget about that sort of being the right person that you have to recruit. Um, this is something whenever people talk about bringing in a new 
striker that I, I think gets sort of avoided for some reason is how Watkins changed after Ings left and how the dynamic around the squad needs to be right. If you you can't just say bring in someone that's a backup, but then expect them to be the same quality as Watkins, and then you can't expect someone to be the same quality as Watkins and not affect him. It, it's so so tough that the personal level of recruitment that often gets overlooked in, in that sense. So that that's why it's never that easy to to pinpoint a name really. At the same time, you, it's it's for those you know scouts and the and, and Monchi and that to meet with them face to face that makes a final judgment on on things like that. But yeah, back back to Longley, I th- I have been quite impressed with him too far. I did, you know, I was always willing to to give him the chance compared to his time at Spurs because Spurs last year were, were a basket case for most of the season and. It was unfair to judge their defenders that often. Um, and he's come in here and I think this style of play and responsibility suits him, especially being on the ball. He, he's confident on the ball. And when I went I went to the Altmar game, um, the last one at home, and he, he just seemed so confident on the ball. And you can sort of see that's the level of player that's played at high level, you know, and played for big clubs. But he's fallen out of favour in areas where he's willing to give give it a chance where he's a rotation option. So, again, those are areas that you, you would think that we will look to do that again, maybe, if if we're thinking that a position or, or characteristic needs, you know, addressing in the squad. Yeah, like, I was quite sceptical about Long, Longley coming in just because it was on the back of the Ming's injury and I was very concerned about Villa's aerial practice prowess at, at the time and it's something that either teams that haven't picked up on or or we've we've, we've seemingly dealt with this actually actually quite well not having uh, Mings there who would always make first co- contact with the ball, ball at, at set, set pieces we've actually dealt with that mo- mostly quite well um, so yeah I think I think yeah it's a good point that you bring bring up about long lane very much sums up where Villa are are right now in that you are bringing in, you know, a backup guy, and he probably would have known that go, going in, and just seemingly getting complete buy-in from from him for what his role is and uh, for what what he's been what be what he's been asked to do and bring bring to the squad and. You can only look at, you know, you know the ma- management that there, how how the players are being managed, their expect, you know, their expectations of of game game time and, uh, and just say, well, thumbs up. It like winning helps. Obviously, winning <laughs> it's a lot lot easier to be uh, a sub sub who com- comes on and scores a couple couple of goals as opposed to a sub that comes on to, you know, stop you from conce- conceding. You know, I don't think Leon Bailey would be as ha- as happy as as he is if he were com- coming on to drag a ga- game back from from one nil de- down to a to a one 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 as opposed to I don't know, I can chuck a couple couple more goals on here. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting situation we find ourselves in. And I mean, I think it's why we had this chat today was because um, we, we ended the, the obviously I say, I call it like we, we saw having many seasons at the moment, um, but we finished the last one, obviously started off low and then ended on a, on a nice little peak just before just before the break that um, I was interested to see just, just where people thought we were at. And, and it, it, obviously having you on, Dan, is just ideal for, especially for me and James, because it just... Thankfully, you're another person that echoes a lot of our thoughts, and it's nice to hear the outlay that you see from it as well. Because there's so many little bits to the game that I realise that I just I don't see. Um, I mean, looking back now, I can clearly see that we don't have, for example, that outlayer right in front of the defence. I've just missed that. Well, weirdly enough, <laughs> um, and I, and now sitting there, I'm like, well, obviously we don't. You can see that now looking back, but it, it's it's so interesting seeing the way that we're going and. Just now, see now. I'm just waiting forward to Sunday. I mean, that I think the last thing I have to ask you, Dan, is what do you reckon the score will be? 
Um, yeah, we're never going to keep the clean. clean I'm going. I'm going to remain positive. Uh, Tom, Tom, we've got a few, a few injuries. It's a good time to play play them. I'm going to go two one Villa. I like that. Go on, James. You know you're always second or first on my list. I, I was going to go two one as well. I usually try not to say the same score, but two one in my mind seems like the almost the obvious score for some reason, which it's it's not an obvious score, but it's it's that one that you go to when you know you're not going to keep a clean sheet, but you've got a real chance here of getting something. So I think 2-1 does, does feel right. And I always have to say, if I expect Watkins to, to bag, that I want him to really badly bag. <laughs> um, all right, well, I mean, you can't really judge Spurs. is obviously the Monday Night Football fixture um, as an outlay because that was just, Odd. Um, but I am going to say an odd score, and I do think we win this 4 3. Um, I just, I've got this strange feeling that it's just going to go a bit weird. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it because I think, that, like you said, it's, it's a litmus test, isn't it, James? And um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this sets us out. Um, lovely, nice, all positive score lines. It's so different from when, from when we were talking about Villa last year. Uh, and you're like, oh, Fingers crossed we get this one or draw up next weekend. So, um, Dan, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. Um, I believe, I think, James, I should have this right. I don't, I'm holding my ear now like I've got an earpiece in. First ever two-time guest appearance on the podcast. Yeah, so, I think that's right. I think that's so right. So you are officially in folklore to the ABFC Faithful podcast. Obviously, um, anyone watching, head over to uh, X Twitter. Um, at 1874Pritch, you can find Dan on Twitter and uh it's it's just it's great stuff. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know it was quite a quite a fun little little chat through. And uh, well, well, we'll have you on again probably in January. Then probably again halfway through. Um, you'll probably be on more podcasts than I was last year. So, uh, <laughs> brilliant stuff. And uh, of course, anyone watching, links are all down below for everyone else. Um, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. Nice and PG for James this week. Uh, so you never miss another video. And uh, until next time, up the villa. Up the villa.